Eat, drink, smoke. So good to be with you. Tony Katz, along with Fingers Malloy and April D. Gregory. It's where we uh, smoke the fine cigars and we drink the fine bourbon and we eat the fine food. And as always, as always, we start with the bourbon because that's, well, that's kind of what we do. There are a few rules that make a bourbon a bourbon. First, it has to be made in the United States. People will tell you that, no, you can get a bourbon from anywhere. No, not true. It's something fundamentally different. Just be honest about it. It's cool. Uh, It has to be in a new charred oak barrel. That's the kind of barrel it has to be. And 51% corn. If it's 51% corn, doesn't matter what else someone's doing in there to try and be all cool and neato, it is indeed a bourbon. It cannot enter the barrel at higher than 125 proof. It cannot enter the bottle at less than 80 proof. And the only thing you can add to it is water to change the proof um, before, uh, if necessary. Otherwise, it's, it's not a bourbon. It's some other kind of weird, uh, freaky drink. And today, we review uh, the Colonel E.H. Taylor. I've never, ever had the Colonel E.H. Taylor. This is the small batch. I've seen this online for 35 bucks a bottle. So we're talking about a very affordable type of bourbon here. Um, give you flavors of sweet caramel corn. Uh, mingles with notes of butterscotch and licorice. Now, again... Lots of people like to push this idea of their bourbon as sweet. And yes, if you start drinking enough of it, you'll catch vanilla undertones. You will catch some of those other kinds of flavors, those sweeter flavors. But last week, we did, we did Blanton's, and there was a whole conversation of raisin as one of the flavors. And I'm here to tell you, no, there was no raisin in that flavoring. There was a bit of citrus that came at the end, but there wasn't orange peel or anything like that. It was just citrus. It's the best way I could explain it. So I'm, I'm curious whether or not butterscotch is butterscotch, right? Because the last time I tasted anything that was like butterscotch it was a corn whiskey from right here in Indiana from the people at West Fork Whiskey, uh, which is, it, it, it's terrific. Absolutely terrific. That had a butterscotch uh, to it, but I haven't gotten it from anything that it calls itself a bourbon as of yet. It always makes me nervous when a liquor describes uh, part of its flavor uh, to have a hint of licorice because then I'm thinking, oh, I'm drinking Zambuca. Oh, no. is this is this uh, Jagermeister? What is this? So it's like drinking a Twizzler. Is exactly <laughs> what it's like, and it's supposed to finish with uh, with April D. Gregory a soft mouthfeel, which Ooh. I find wholly offensive. Subtle notes of pepper and tobacco spices. Now. I'm a cigar smoker, you know this. I have no idea what the hell they mean by tobacco spice. I think they just made stuff up. And I don't appreciate it when you make uh, <laughs> uh, stuff up. This, by the way, is out of Tennessee. This is the Colonel E.H. Taylor small batch. I've described how they describe it. Uh, to this, We've got a standard pour on, on one large rock. I'm giving it a smell. You guys take a sip. You're right there? Fingers oh, right away. It, that has a, uh, a bold scent to it. There's a spice to it. I can say that much, but I don't know, there's a bold scent to it. Hold on, let me, let me, let me, let me go. April, you're you doing the Kentucky Chew? I did the Kentucky did Chew. Did you do the Kentucky Chew? Yep, Kentucky Swallow. All right, and how do you feel Kentucky now? Hug. Not bad. This, there's spice there. I can't tell you what it is, but there's spice there. Sometimes I feel like these companies are just throwing stuff out there to, to yank you. Right. You know, uh, hey, just throw, throw, it, tell them there's citrus in there. It's like all the colors you could pick at Sherman Williams. <laughs> right. You know, it's yeah. not it's not green. It's celery. Shut up. It's green. Hold on. <laughs> this is. Uh, it's a little bit strong, a little bit intense, but not overpowering. It's not burning my mouth. All right. I would never call this licorice on any stretch, nor would I call it butterscotch. But it's got it's got a smooth. 
it's got it's got a smooth and there there is a there is a hit at the end but again that's not a tobacco spice i'm sorry that that's that's mythology i will freely admit i do get licorice in that but well after you've swallowed the bourbon it's a few seconds later the aftertaste is like okay yeah i am getting a little licorice just a tad yeah the, the aftertaste is maybe i can taste the butterscotch as well slightly i will tell you i can sip it like, I can see spending a, 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 a night with this, you know, passionately. Because some of the things that we've had, uh, no, 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 I, I can't see. This is, all, this is definitely all right. You, you serve this somewhere, someone's going to go, oh, thank you, this is lovely. You know, they're going to be appreciative. Right. And for 35 bucks, this should be in your bar. Well, I go this back. Totally, this should totally be in your bar. I, I go back to that Matthew McConaughey wild turkey that we had. Right, that's the long branch. Right, where, where it was just kind of there, which there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, especially if the at the end of the night, if you want to get a, a good buzz on, to drink something that is just kind of there and doesn't bowl you over, doesn't uh, burn as it goes down, you can get in trouble with that kind of bourbon. This right here kind of reminds me, and I'm not saying flavor-wise, it reminds me of uh, the rise that we had. But what I'm saying is that the, 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 the spice with this, it's like when you take a sip of it, you know it's there, there's, there's, there's flavor to it, but this doesn't burn as it goes down. No, the rye definitely hits harder, right? So we've we've that reviewed bone, a couple of ryes what's, what's before. The bone, With a bone snapper rye, bone snapper and then, rye. Uh, which wasn't my favorite. Then there was a second one, which is uh, we did uh, Jack, the Daniels. Jack Daniels rye, mm-hmm. which I thought was actually uh, rather good. Um, so this is not a bourbon I would have by itself. This, I think, is a good cigar pairing bourbon because it's there, but it's not going to overpower. If you were having cheese with this, you know, like you were having a couple different kinds of cheeses, this is a great compliment. This is a great compliment to a Gouda. This would be a great compliment to a Havarti. This would be a great compliment to a Brie. Um, that kind of thing. So if you, if you were doing that kind of, of event or that kind of just relax, uh-huh. I could see this. Because if you had, for example, I don't know how many people do like cheese with apple. You yes. know, so this, is, this would work. Mm-hmm. This would yep. absolutely work with, with, with those apple flavors for sure. All right. This is actually rather good. As a true enjoyable, everybody at the table is going to like it. Relaxing bourbon. This is a campfire bourbon. This is absolutely and and truly, I would say this is the first of everything we've tried. Real cigar bourbon. I I've tried. I I I know this about myself. I used to be a Scotch guy, and then the Scotch would just do away with the flavor of the cigar. And me, I want the flavor of the cigar, so I stopped. And so it's been hard to find things. This this is a very sublime, and I think would go great with with the cigar and what I've got today. I'm so happy. We'll get into that in a little bit. Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Tony, and with this cigar oh, and the flavors that it has and the, the, the spice that comes out in this uh, this bourbon, coupling it with a cigar, does that are you worried that when you when you couple it with a cigar that the, the cigar in this situation would have to be kind of mild where the, the spices from the the cigar aren't battling I think you're the spices? Worried. I think the whole idea of pairing is is trying to figure out what what goes what goes best but i know this cigar and i feel comfortable in it only in that it won't do away with the flavors i want out of the cigar which is maybe different than how somebody else sees it because somebody listening right now is gonna be like tony uh colonel taylor is trash it is garbage and i hope you die in a fire you want to be drinking this everybody's totally different in terms of what they like and what they enjoy i can only give you where I'm at with it, what I've kind of learned from the three of us is that when it comes to bourbon, we're, we're a bit on the pansy side. You know, we're not, we're not necessarily men, um, but, but, we're, but we're trying, April D. Gregory. We are, and I know? am. And and, I did, I, but we identify, and that should be enough these days. Right. 
Well, you guys identify as men, maybe. I do not. But I do like this one. I really... The Blantons last week was by far my favorite that we have done, but this is definitely my second favorite. You like the Blantons more? Oh, for sure. All right, maybe as... Not a, not as a pairing. I, th- I would do the Blantons by itself. Yes, I agree Before with that. I would have the Blantons with a cigar. I can get oh, that. 100%. And I think you're shortchanging us a little bit by, by uh, making those comments. It's not like we're doing reviews of schnapps. Okay. Honest, next week we're doing schnapps. Okay, cactus uh, cactus juice. Let's next week. Yeah, no, next week, we're doing next week uh, Chad here at Blend is going to have um, an apple cider rum, uh, some sort of drink thing. Oh, is that right? For, for Thanksgiving? Yeah. I cannot believe. We're, Thanksgiving's two weeks away. We're coming into Thanksgiving. That's a mind scramble. By the way, Blend, of course, is where we are, where we do the show. Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, four locations across the country. But this is the, the headquarters. They're in Nashville. They're in Houston. They're in Pittsburgh. But right here, BlendBarCigar.com, that's where you come and drink. I, I, we'll, we'll get back into the drink in a second and to the, to the smoke. But speaking of smoke, the wildfires Ooh. in California... Are you know? I never like to do the the podcast where we have to be like timely, and you know, you could be you could like date your material or stuff. Twenty three people from the time we record this are dead in what's known as the campfire, which is a ridiculous name to call the thing. Uh, there in, in Chico, you forget how far north California goes because San Francisco is not Northern California. Northern California is Northern California. Twenty three people, and then you've got the fires that are around Malibu and some of those photos. It, the devastation is amazing and I when I lived in California I only saw one and I actually did evacuate uh, my business partner uh, and and go in and and skip through roadblocks to be able to get to his house to get some things out it is an incredible experience because fire creates its own weather creates its own wind patterns and everything else it's unbelievable and this fire this it's all over the place they're like there are a ton of fires a couple dozen fires going all across the state it's incredible well, and look, I, I've never lived in California. You were in California for a little while. I, the, the earthquakes you got to worry about, the, uh, uh, the, the, the fires out there, is, uh, they're always a concern because it seems like this happens every few years. Mudslides. <laughs> Don't you guys get mudslides out yeah. there, too? Oh, no, we definitely did. Uh, but the, and I know where you're going with this. Uh, when is it appropriate to criticize policies that may lead so to... So that's, that's, that's the Trumpism, right? Right. That, now, by the way, just, just for some updates, from, from just today, like from where we are, in the campfire, which is that Chico area, Paradise area, 6,400 homes have been lost. Wow. 260 wow. commercial buildings have been lost. Let me go, let me go to the, some of these ones uh, south. And this is quite a ways south right here. Um, this is the Hill Fire, which is near Thousand Oaks. Um, two buildings have been destroyed so far. They seem to have that thing contained. So you and have then this map right here is all the different fires yeah. going on. Okay, because I thought it was just the big fire by Malibu. No. I didn't realize that there, this campfire thing was up by up San Fran and then... You're pulling up other fires. So there's one fire on Gosh. the other side of Thousand Oaks. So the west side of Thousand Oaks, that's fire smaller, mostly contained. On the east side, it's only 10% contained as of right now. It has threatening 57,000 structures, 177 buildings have been destroyed. Two people are dead. It is 83,000 acres. This is the one that's already come uh, to the other side and come down to, to Malibu. And it's threatening areas everywhere this it's it's brutal now the question was fingers malloy was trump right or wrong for putting out his his tweet his missive about uh forest uh 
management. And that forest management is so poor um, that it's leading to this. What he said is, and I'm quoting here, there is no reason for these massive, deadly, and costly forest fires in California, except that forest management is so poor. Billions of dollars are given each year with so many lives lost, all because of gross mismanagement of the forest. Remedy now or no more Fed payments, right? That's what you keep hearing. That's the quote you keep hearing. You know what no one ever tells you? The tweet that came before it. Right. The tweet that came before it was... Um, wait, where, where, do, I, do I have it right here? Hold on a second. I want to I make sure I have uh, the, 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 the right one. Um, it, or, or is the tweet... Wait, I thought it was the tweet that came before it. Maybe it was the tweet that came after it. More than 4,000 are fighting the camp in Woolsey uh, fires in California that have burned over 170,000 acres. Our hearts are with those fighting the fires, the 52,000 who have evacuated, and the families of the 11 who have died. The destruction is catastrophic. God bless them all. So that came um, basically just after he had put out uh, this tweet about um, forest management. You do a Google search. You do a Google search over the last few years, you know what you're going to find? Article after article after article that discusses the poor management of uh, the, 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 the brush, if you will, in California, which has always been a problem. So the question is, 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 it, is he, did he say anything wrong? I don't think he said anything wrong. I love how we're always concerned about the timing of criticism when it's a right winger criticizing a lefty, leftist <laughs> policies. There are no criticisms at all when there's a deadly shooting and before the bodies even assume room temperature, Damn you've straight. got people coming out you know, for gun control and sensible uh, gun legislation and whatever the bud- buzzwords are. Right. I have no problem with him saying what he did. This may surprise you, Tony. I'm not uh, a forest management expert. What? I, I, I know it's, it's shocking. But, but you look so crunchy. Thank you. Uh, with your Harley Davidson t-shirt and, and your love of the Detroit Lions. Wow. <laughs> Did I hit a, hit a sore spot? Do you need a second? Holy cow. You, you just put out the forest fire in my heart, Tony. Oh, my gosh. You did. No, but the thing is, is uh, we've heard about this overgrowth for years in, in forests in, in, in the West and that we are not having a policy of controlled burns out there mm-hmm. that and that something like this is going to happen more and more frequently because of poor forest management. Why is it that this criticism, like I said earlier, is being uh, attacked, but when it's ever, ever so lefty it's, criticism so it's against it's the right? It's a question of timing, right? Everything with oh. Trump is a question of timing, and this is what people are all about. Why now, while this is happening, would you criticize no one's criticizing the firefighters. No one's criticizing the people who want to do something. No one's criticizing the people who are, who are in, in serious danger. But there, there's a policy that, that does add to problems. Now, I can't tell you whether or not that policy is added to this specific problem up in Chico at the campfire or down in Malibu at the Woolsey fire, right? I can't tell you if those policies have contributed here. But of course it's an issue. I, listen, I lived in California for six years. You would drive Mulholland. There would be, I would be on that drive with people who would tell you, a fire happens in here, it's all over. No one's, no one's getting out. It's well, done. It's over. There's no way to get to it. It's just, look at all. It's, it, it's going to be total disaster. So the, the question has to be not about, there is a question about whether or not those policies have led to these issues or exacerbated these issues. But in general, there's an issue with how these fires are handled, and I don't mind that conversation taking place. People don't like the timing of it. When would the timing have been okay for you? What I, your point about guns is taken. They'll always say, when's the good time to bring it up? If now is not the good time, when? I'm bringing it up right now. Fine, bring it up right now. That's what Trump did, and now all of a sudden we're finding that's not okay. Well, 
well, we can criticize FEMA during uh, hurricane relief. That's okay. And if, if, if criticism is warranted, you should be able to criticize at the time relief efforts are underway. We need to have a, uh, a, a microscope on these agencies to make sure that they're performing their jobs properly. The only thing I don't want is I don't want anybody to take something Trump's saying and make it somehow as if it's interfering with how firefighters do their job. Those guys, I don't think they're paying attention. I don't think they care what the president has to tweet. They're going to do their thing. They Mm want to go home. They want their state to still be around. No, the firefighters aren't the problem. Uh, And no, there's always fires in California. Always, always, always. So now when there's a major one, this is the right time to bring up the conversation. You don't don't launch a media campaign about the problem of California uh, fires when... There's not a big one drawing people's attention to it. Right now, people's attentions are on it because you've got Kim Kardashian West estate being uh, threatened by the fires. So everybody's talking about these fires because right now. Because it's in culture and, and Right, because it's in culture. Because so everybody's talking about it. But this is a constant problem in California. And what Trump said was not wrong. And yeah, he beat, marches to the beat of his own drum. But now is the time to have the conversation because two months from now, when this big fire is not there anymore... Nobody's going to give a crap to talk about it. Yes, and they're not going to do anything to fix it. And and certainly, if that's the case, and the only thing I don't know is whether or not the the land management issues or, or, or policies exacerbated these two fires. Right. That is it. Trump could be right, but maybe not right in these two fires to which I don't know what he knew, what he was told, who shared it. You know, did, did, did he go to, to Secretary Zinke, right, his secretary of interior and say, hey, talk to me about what happens here. And Zinke says, seriously, they're not doing enough to clear the brush. They're not doing enough to do uh, controlled burns. They're not. Mm-hmm. Then, and yeah, you, you, you lead to a problem. And then he takes that information. He puts it out in a tweet. That's how much do we want to bet that that's exactly the way it went down, right? Yeah, right. That's exactly how that conversation took place. Well, and, and God bless the, the people that are out there and, and it's, you know, thoughts and prayers are for the, the, the victims of this fire. But April brings Your up... Your thoughts and prayers aren't helping, I Fingers. Know, I know, that's true. Wow. But, but April brings real. up a, a really good point, and it's this. If, say, we eventually this fire will be brought under control, and the, the news cycle will move on to something else. If there are three months from now... Donald Trump is bringing up forest fires. The media is, is going to stand up and say, "What the hell is he talking about forest fires for?" We have more pressing issues right. to talk about than right. we've got some- serious issues, and here he is uh, litigating the past. Yeah, so yeah, there's, there's no, no winning. pleasing. There's no pleasing these people. Oh, there's totally no pleasing. There is totally no pleasing these people. Fingers Malloy, April D. Gregory. I'm Tony Katz. This is Eat Drink Smoke. It is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Tony Katz along with April D. Gregory and Fingers Malloy. Uh, we're reviewing uh, the bourbon. It is the E.H. Taylor, the Colonel. Please respect the rank. The E.H. Taylor, let me allow. Okay. Oh, this is super fitting for Veterans Day, Colonel. Oh, look at us. Oh, look at us. We're always on theme. Wow, that is amazing. And it is. And a very happy Veterans Day. And thank you. Uh, without question. Uh, there's a whole thing going on. Um, it's also commemoration of the 100 years since the end of World War One, the Great War. You know, it's it, incredible stories there. The brutality of that war doesn't get told enough. We do focus a lot on World War Two, the brutality of World War One, the horror of trench warfare. Another story for another day. We're going to be getting into the cigar 
in a second. But yeah, uh, veterans, uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, if you uh, come down to Blend Bar Cigar, where we do this, uh, April Gregory will personally buy you a drink. I will. I will. Totally. Is that true? Sure. Really? Yeah. Wow. Fingers, are you a veteran? No. Well, you should have been, right? Pete Davidson, not a veteran. But Pete Davidson apologized to a veteran. He apologizes to the congressman-elect, Lieutenant Commander Dan Crenshaw. Now, this was a story that was huge. He's Pete Davidson on Saturday Night Live uh, a little over a week ago. And Pete Davidson is making fun of people. That's what he's doing. He, Pete Davidson's the guy who was engaged to Ariana Grande. It's the only way you know who he is. Because you're like, how? How did he? Ariana Grande. How? Um, because nobody watches SNL anymore, so you wouldn't know him. He looks like the girl from Frozen. He's, he's Elsa-esque? Yes. Is that it? Yes. By the way, anybody impressed that I knew who Elsa was? Thank you. Thank you very much. So he is, he's making fun of people. I mean, one of the people he makes fun of is Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw has one eye. Lost his uh, right eye in uh, battle uh, during his second or third tour, I think his third tour, third tour. in Afghanistan. Lost his eye. Third of five tours. He did five tours? Five. He went back two more times after he lost his eye. Guys, badasses can be. My goodness gracious. He should just punch Pete Davidson. <laughs> but he didn't do that, right? right? He he's a better person go than me. that low. He didn't go that anything. What he does is like, he's totally like, listen, I'm not going to get insulted by some punk uh, who looks like the We Fit trainer, you know. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to be like, you know, don't treat veterans that way. Because basically what Davidson said is, is that, you know, um, told him, said that because he wears an eye patch, that he looks like a, 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 a bad guy in a porn movie. And that, you know, I know it's not right to make fun of him because he lost his eye in war or whatever. That's exactly what he said. So a week later, Saturday Night Live is happening. And Pete Davidson comes on and is like, listen. Uh, it might not be a surprise to anybody uh, that I said something stupid. Um, I didn't think uh, I insulted the man, and I wanted to say I'm sorry. So, uh, and what I'm sure was a huge shock for people who know me, I made a poor choice last week. <laughs> um, I, uh, no, I did. Uh, I, made a, I made a joke about Lieutenant Commander Dan Crenshaw. Dan? Dan Crenshaw, and on behalf of the show and myself, uh, I apologize. Uh, my poor mom. Can you imagine being poor my mom? mom? Can you imagine being my mom? That must suck. <laughs> Can you imagine being Pete Davidson's mom? It can't be easy when everyone's mad at your son and roommate. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean this uh, from the bottom of my heart. It was a poor choice of words. Uh, the man is a war hero, and he deserves all the respect in the world. And if any good came of this, Maybe it was that for one day, the left and the right finally came together to agree on something. That I'm a dick. <laughs> and then Crenshaw comes out, and they do about two minutes of, of some very funny stuff. Mm -hmm. um, at one moment, uh, Crenshaw's phone rings, and it's Ariana Grande, and that's the ringtone. Um, and then, uh, he, uh, then uh, Crenshaw has a moment or two to, to make fun of, of Pete Davidson and what he looks like. Um, what, what, what? He, he said uh, Pete Davidson looks like meth if meth was, you know, human formed. Like, that was one of the jokes. It was pretty good. Then he does a, a, a bit about, you know, coming together and having the respect enough for each other for, you know, being able to talk through differences and being able to not always be angry and respecting those people who have fought in combat like me or who lost their lives on 9-11. On he points to Pete Davidson like your father because Pete Davidson, his father lost his life. He, was he a cop? Was, uh, sure. Lost his life on September September 11th. Uh, and so I am not a fan. 
I mean, I, I do that whole story and give all that background to be like, I'm not a fan of, of forced apologies. I hate a faked apology. Can't stand that stuff at all. Mm-hmm. It's not for me to accept or not accept the apology because I'm not the one who, who was slighted. I only said last week, and I, and I meant it, Pete Davidson's a douche. He's a douche. I mean, that's, that, that's what he is. That's all, there, that's all there is to it. I thought it was good. I thought that Davidson meant it. I thought Saturday Night Live realized that they had stepped in it and really made a mistake and really misjudged what was happening here. I thought they went uh, above and beyond. Uh, no, no, no. I don't want you to drop your phone, Fingers Malloy. Look to your right. Look to your right. That's a little too on the edge for me. Uh, I, don't, I don't want any of that. You know, I, 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 or I should say I'm, I'm happy that they recognized it. They, did, they went to a place where they shouldn't. They recognized it, and I thought it was legit. I think that the country's going to see it as legit and say to themselves, you know what? Uh, he may still be a douche, but he's a stand-up douche. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what they're going to say. Well, and right? he's definitely not as bad as Alec Baldwin, so he still uh, has that going for him, right? Well, th- that's a very, very low bar. By the way, I saw Stand-Up Douche open for Three Doors Down mm. back in 96. It was a fantastic uh, ah, show. Thank you. I can't uh, believe you went to a Three Doors Down show. He didn't, he didn't go to it. I don't believe it. it, 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 it you, are you okay with the apology? Did you, did, what did you think of it? No, I thought it was genuine. I, I thought it was great. Um, it, it was funny. It was funny. And that's just not something we get on SNL anymore. So, I, when the whole but, I mean, but it's kind of funny to watch a guy. This is a guy who deserved to get punched in the face. And Crenshaw, metaphorically, and the, the, the country, metaphorically punched him in the face. Like, mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. Punch me in the face. All right, I deserved it. Okay, ow, ow. Yeah. He understood. At least it seems that way. I gave him credit for not digging his heels in and going further down this road right. because there are a lot of people who would do that. They can't acknowledge that they really made a huge mistake. He had a week to assess what went on. And, I, and you know, some people will say, and it may very well be true, that he made the apology because he was pressured. But mm-hmm. it seemed like a genuine apology. It didn't seem something that was forced from uh, PR at NBC. He seemed genuine in his apology. The thing that I found curious about the whole thing was it not only well, more, more disheartening than anything was he makes these comments last week on Saturday Night Live, got a pretty decent laugh from the crowd instead of a gasp. But, you know, when in Rome, I yeah. guess. Uh, also, the thing that was kind of... Uh, hey, if you looked at the people in the crowd, they weren't offended by what Megyn Kelly said either. That's true. <laughs> right? That's true. Just, just. I mean, it's amazing. It's when people are like, "Wait, I can spin this into something." And then they're like, "Oh, you see how wrong it was." Whatever. But you would have think you would have thought that the weekend update guys would have been like, "Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa!" I, I would have wanted to distance myself from him uh, two point three seconds after he, he well, made that joke. But uh, so, did he make the joke on his own, or was that scripted for him? Did someone else write that joke for which, him? Which joke? The um, who cares about him losing his eye or whatever. When Pete Davidson said no, that. No, Pete Davidson totally wrote that on He totally own. made that on his own. No, okay. 100%. And he's the one who said it. So if he didn't write it, right? Let's make the assumption he didn't write it. He had all the time in the world not to do that joke, and he decided to do that joke. I think he did write it. Of course he wrote it. That's the segment that he did. That's the segment that he that, that, that he puts on. No, no question okay. about it. He's absolutely did that. So I think probably the fact that he did lose his dad in 9-11 allows him to be more sympathetic, perhaps, to... Crenshaw and makes it easier for him to realize what he said was wrong. Well, and the thing that's amazing about something like that too is if it's just normal life, it's if the, if these are politicians, he goes out the next day and either puts out a press release or apologizes on Twitter, sends a tweet out apologizing. 
when you're a, a cast member of Saturday Night Live, no, you don't do that. You let it stew for a week, and then people are going to tune in the following right. week to see, okay, how are they going to address this? Right. It's amazing how things are handled in, in that media outlet versus, say, a, a, a politician or, or someone who just uh, flies off the handle on Twitter and isn't an actor on a show. Well, well wait a second. If, 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 the, if they were smart enough to say, you know what? we screwed it up or they watched there were examples for less or what happened over the first couple days be like you know what don't say anything we'll bring them on it'll be great we can turn it into something that's something I would have done if I was like you know what this is something we can turn into something else of course you do I don't think there's anything wrong with that but it was the part that was good is that they brought Crenshaw on and he got the chance to also have a moment Mm -hmm. very very important and valuable stuff if they had just been like you know what sorry about that Everyone have been like. Everyone would have said, you know what? That's a, that's a giant, you know, douche move. Still, and it's, it's it such. Was, a, it would have been douche part duh. It's and it's such a smart move to let him have his his jokes and put his barbs in there. Right. You, you know, because then it, it makes people feel who are right leaning, who may not be watching Saturday Night Live, they'll watch that and go, well, that was cool that they they allowed him to do that, and really he got off some good jokes on on your your d bags. Uh, ex- at your you won't even expense. say it. You won't even say it. No, I won't say it. Well, I, I always said to it clean, because I said it last podcast. time. I'm I keeping a tally of how many curse words, I can't, I can't bad words get that. say today. And you've said two so far, and whoa, I've whoa, said none. said two? You said damn and Whoa, whoa you can't say damn? You can because it's your show, say, and no, this is no, Facebook, wait, wait, and you can say it. But I keep getting criticized for saying well, you drop F-bombs. No, here's but the difference. But that's okay. This podcast is Facebook. No, no, no. It's I'm not, not doing it, though, The today. objective, I'm, I'm interested track. in doing a clean podcast. I really and truly am. You know why? Because I want to... You said two I, D words. I want to be a role model to the children. That's correct. Oh, getting missed. And I want to teach them how to you know, speak properly and drink good bourbon and smoke good cigars. And if you can't do that for kids in today's America, then what are we all here do? for? Um, we don't but, want them to grow up to be like my, my, millennials. My point is, is that you know how else to describe what Pete Davidson was last week other than a douche, and yeah, this absolutely. week not a douche, not and a that's douche. called redemption, kids, redemption. And it's like we've all learned something today. I never let a good opportunity go to waste. And that's Rahm Emanuel, everybody. Emmanuel. So can we what? expect douche not a douche <laughs> as a permanent segment now on uh, Eat Drink Smoke? Oh. Oh, I don't know. Every week we can just say who is the, who's the douche of the week. How see, but see that that to me is gratuitous. No. Like I wouldn't do that. True. I would do putts of the week. I would do schmuck of the week. I would do loser of the week. I would do tool of the week. I would do fool of the week. I would do geek of the week. I would even do schwanz of the week. What? <laughs> Nothing better than when the shiksa doesn't know. Schwanz. A shiksa, by the way, is what a term for a uh, non-Jewish woman who looks exactly like you, April Gregory. I saw right? Schwanz open for Butthole Surfers back in 97. It was well, a great show. I think that show is the other way around. <laughs> uh, quite honestly. Quite honestly. Come on. That was a good joke. Screw you people. That was funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> we just lost the kids. You see what happened there? Did you see what happened there? <laughs> the kids on Facebook. There are no kids on Facebook. You know that, right? Oh, my Gone. daughter! My daughter is fourteen, Gone. and she said to me yesterday, "I'm, you know, telling people how proud I am of her. That, uh, you know, she's in marching band, and their season just wrapped up yesterday. And I put it on Facebook. She goes, you, you realize uh, Facebook is only for old people, right? Yeah, it is. Yes, it's totally true. Once, once the parents and grandparents all start getting on Facebook, the kids all left, and they're just on Snapchat and Instagram now. That's it. 
They don't care about anything else. They don't care about anything else. Doing Fortnite's that dance and Yahoo Geo floss? Cities. I cannot floss. You should be able to floss. Floss my teeth. You can. Tr- I don't even do, do that. Do you want to try right now? Yeah. No, I do, do not. Do you want to floss? Can yeah. you floss? You're the one that plays Fortnite all the time. I oh, can I am floss? so bad. I know you practice. I am so bad at Fortnite. I I try. I don't care. How I, are you at flossing? Uh, oh no, I haven't tried. I haven't tried that because I will, I will break something. The pr- he, so I never think of myself as old. Mm-hmm. I don't feel it in any way, shape, or or, or form. But in the, in Fortnite, if you've, if you've ever played the game... So do you identify as someone 20 years younger, like that man this week? Oh, the guy who's like 69, who identifies himself as 47, he wants to get his legal age changed? Yeah, which no, is no. really ridiculous, because um, he can retire not, and make I'm money. I'm also not a drug addict. Uh, so, the, so with Fortnite, what I've noticed is when my kids play, they play actually mobile. They play on iPads. And they, they're moving, they're jumping, they're shooting, they're shooting as they're jumping, they're building and jumping and shooting all at the same time. I can't see what they're shooting at. Now, I wear glasses as, as readers, really, but sometimes I forget to take them off. Like, I, I'm, I'm in dark spaces with computers and, you know, doing the show in the studio. I, I turns out I need them, and, and I'm fine with that. I am playing, when I play, I play on a Nintendo Switch, which is not the best way to do it. I play on a 48-inch TV that's in the basement, right? We just have one. A nice Sony TV, a perfect clarity of, of everything else. I cannot see what it is they're shooting at. And they are shooting and fighting and building. I literally cannot see what is happening. Can't play. Are, are you a gamer? I would love to be. I would love to be a gamer. I think I would enjoy it. My problem is, at least with Fortnite, I can't see it. And if I end even up with your glasses on, I can't, I can't. When I tell you I can't see it, it's not that I can't see what's on the screen, right? It's not like nothing's a blurry or fuzzy. It is moving so fast. Oh, the game is going so quickly yeah. that I cannot keep up, and my fingers cannot move to the places. In my head, I have a, I have a, a kind of idea of where I'm supposed to be, but when it comes uh, down to it, I can't I can't make it move. Do they have a slow slow mo? Version they have an AARP of- version of Fortnite. <laughs> I believe that the was combat from Atari. <laughs> Is, is Missile what they, command? Is what they have. Right, right. Get me the old centipede, and I'll show you what's up. Later, we're going to do some pole position. It's going down for real. That's Fingers Malloy. That's April D. Gregory. Don't forget, there's much more of the podcast available on iTunes. You have to subscribe. iTunes, eat, drink, smoke, and you can get the entire podcast because it's more than just maybe what you saw here on the Facebook page because we stream to the Facebook page uh, right there uh, at Eat, Drink, Smoke, facebook.com slash eat, drink, smoke. Uh, but you can get the whole podcast on iTunes. Subscribe. Make sure you leave a review. Make sure you leave a five-star rating. And if you feel pressured into it, we're cool with that. So get that done. Get that done today. Don't forget there's much more podcast over there uh, at Eat, Drink, Smoke uh, uh, or on iTunes. Eat, Drink, Smoke. Subscribe. And then, of course, TonyCats.com. Eat, Drink, Smoke. Keep it here. Eat, Drink, Smoke. Tony Katz. April D. Gregory. Fingers Malloy. Blend Bar Cigar. That's where we... That's where we usually do the thing. We do other places. People have been asking, will we go other places? The answer is 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 yes. Uh, you, you can pay the fee and we'll come. It's just it's just that easy. I'm sorry. Was the capitalism just too raw? Pay the uh, fee, open the bourbon, we'll be there. See, look at that. That's that's April D. Gregory. She does all the negotiating. Uh, but BlendBarCigar.com, really appreciate uh, them and what they do. Four locations all across the country. They're in Nashville. They're in Houston. They're in Pittsburgh. And then, of course, the headquarters. Uh, store number one right here, Indianapolis. Indiana, um, and and we got uh, the podcast is going great, and I can't I can't tell you how thankful I am to everybody who's gone to iTunes uh, and subscribed and left a review. 
Uh, we've got, we need another thousand of those and maybe we'll be getting somewhere with it. Yeah. Maybe if we get another thousand of those, Reviews we'll be Reviews are all so set. important. We can't say it enough. They're so important to the success of the show and we hate to pressure you, but we really need the reviews. If you can find it in your heart to take second, 10 seconds and leave a review. Is there anything else? You can find it in your heart. It would be so helpful. Wow. Just, that was like a telethon. Yes. Just a pledge of $2 a day. <laughs> we'll help a child in need. And April Gregory is uh, that child. We move on to the smoke portion of what it is we're doing. One of my all-time favorites. Um, the people at Crowned Heads do a brilliant, brilliant job with cigars. Uh, the Headley Grange is them. The J.D. Howard is exceptional. And then there is the Four Kicks. Now, the Four Kicks is, as I know it, how they got started here. The Four Kicks they're going to say is a medium cigar. I'm going to move that a little bit more into that bold kind of category. Move it out to medium just a little bit, really depending on who you are as a, as a smoker. It is an Ecuador Habano wrapper, and uh, it comes uh, out of the Dominican. Now, this right here is the, what is this, the 5x50 five by, five by is, what, is what this is. No, this is a 6x50. It's long. R- right right here. Let me let me make sure I've got the, the size on it. That's the first thing I thought was it's long. Right. And the reason is because this is the limited edition. So I think this is, yeah, this is a, I want to say 6 by 50 is what I want to say. Someone's going to correct me if, if I'm wrong uh, on on this cigar and, and how it comes about. The people at Crown Heads, I think, do some of the most terrific work in the world. When I find these cigars, I grab them. I am absolutely thrilled construction-wise. I'm absolutely thrilled with with the blend and how this smokes. It smokes beautifully. Uh, The flavors uh, of this cigar do, in my opinion, take a little bit of of time to come out. I know that the both of you, uh, Fingers in April, you felt it immediately. You thought there was something worthwhile uh, from the get-go. For me, I like to let it develop because I think it develops uh, brilliantly. But you you, you took a relight, uh, April, and you were like, okay, this is working. First impression of the cigar. It's good. It's really good. It's probably my second favorite one that we've done. And I just wanted to point out, because we were talking about the bourbon when we first poured it, um, and you were very, very much emphasizing how it would pair well with the cigar. And this bourbon became 15 times better once I started smoking the cigar. So we're doing the Colonel E.H. Taylor, right? That's that's what we're doing. That's the bourbon out of Tennessee. Um, uh, they, they talk about the the, the the smooth of this, the, the butterscotch kind of feel that, that you get out of it. Um, but this is not a bourbon. There are some bourbons that are meant just to be by themselves. I don't think they go with a cigar. This is this is a good pairing bourbon. What's mm-hmm. so funny? What's so funny? Mine's already gone. Your bourbon's gone. Oh yeah. Did you? I, I killed. You want to finish mine? I, no, no, I don't want. No, this is what happens. Are you sure? I'm like the no, Mikey here. Oh, give it to fingers. He'll he, no, he'll no. drink anything. No, it's your, your, your life. Can't your let life good is bourbon go to waste. Better. I don't, I don't know what to say. Did you say my life is terrible? <laughs> I don't know. You sounded, you sounded like somebody who was like sad. Like, oh, I used to have bourbon. Now I've got none. <laughs> I, no, I've got a, if I only had some bourbon in I've my got, life. I've got I a, used to have a fun car and some hair. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, that is precious. Screw you. That is absolutely <laughs> precious and divine. I have hair. Just got a cut is all. <laughs> oh. Sorry. God. That is too Can I get a triple? Funny. That is too funny for words. So listen, um, uh, th- let's get back to the cigar, uh, if, if, if we could. 
Um, people are going to describe this um, spicy, sweet flavors. Listen, it's Dominican, so I'm not going to be surprised that people feel the, 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 the spicy in there. It's okay, fingers. No, you, you still have your hair. I still um, have my hair. You're gonna get, <laughs> it's just a lot whiter than it used to be. Yeah, you're, also no going to get, you're also going to get with a, one, of the, one of the great differences here is that I'm usually a fan of the Nicaraguans. Because the Nicaraguans, you get that creaminess, you get those leathers, you get those dirts. You get some of that leather from this, but it mixes extremely well with that spicy that's going to stick through it. And, and I don't want to say, you know, we're not talking about brutal spicy, we're not talking about hot spicy. We're just talking about the very idea of spicy is, is what we're talking about here. That you've got these flavors that come from the sunshine that takes place that, that, uh, in, in the Dominican that, that just brings itself all the way through. And it mixes unbelievably well. Um, four kicks. Uh, wedding cigar. You want to you want to celebrate with a bachelor party? Four kicks. Uh, an absolutely perfect cigar uh, to do that. Is this a golf cigar? It can be because you can do this for somewhere between eleven and thirteen dollars a stick. So you can afford to to like leave it on the golf course if, if you chose. And it's also good in weather because the construction is excellent. So if you've got some winds or whatever, it's going to handle it. It's going to handle it well. I love what these people do. I adore what these people do. I'm thrilled. I didn't know Blend had it. I didn't know Blend had it, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm overjoyed. By the way, what you didn't get to see, you know, because we do the show live in in a, in, a, in a bar, and someone actually just flashed April Gregory. A guy actually. I don't even know what that was about. Flashed. Like, what did he know that I'm a fan of his biggest rival, and that's why he was flashing me? I'm was, not sure why a, he was a Washington Redskins. Well, shirt? No, he had a he had a T-shirt on that he wanted. It, it said "Drink" on the front of it, so that's what he was trying to show you. He said, "This is the best T-shirt uh, in 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 all the land." Is it, what he said. said. I'm paraphrasing. It said but, this. This team makes me drink. Oh, oh, please! Is that what it is? Oh, please! It was very odd. It was a. He's a Redskins fan. They've had, you know, they've won what four Super Bowls. One playoff win for my Lions in my lifetime. I got to hear about how his team draws drives so, to Detroit. You know what? Random. That's why I gave you the bourbon because things clearly are not yeah, see, are not going okay. See, for that's you. what I was just trying to say. You're you, you're down on your luck. I want to talk uh, guns in America. It's football day, and you're down on your luck. Because the gun conversation, uh, the Democrats have already said. That under Nancy Pelosi, if she's the speaker, if she's the speaker, if she's the speaker, uh, that's going to be the front and center subject for them. They're going to get into a gun conversation. Now, this is all after Thousand Oaks. We're talking about where 12 people were murdered. And it's an awful story. I actually had one of the survivors on my radio show, Tyler Spady. You can catch that interview at TonyCats.com. Mm-hmm. He was there. This is a place that he goes, Borderline Bar and Grill. Thousand Oaks is a regular there. And, and this guy is, comes in. Turns out he's former military. And he starts shooting up the place. And he had been checked by authorities back in April for, for basically his, his sanity and making sure that he was mentally fit. And they decided to, to leave him be. His mother was always worried about what to do about him. It's, it's, there's so many horrors to the story. I can't, I can't fully uh, uh, you know, uh, des- describe it all. But 12 people murdered. And, of course, everyone is immediately saying they don't want to talk about mental health. They're afraid to talk mental health. They're afraid to talk the policies that we may have in place when we check on somebody like this. Families and whether or not they should be adjudicating people they know are troubled, mentally unfit. I don't want to take away someone's rights, you know, willy-nilly. But families have responsibilities. And maybe we shouldn't be we should be more open to them following through on some of those responsibilities. And sometimes horrible things happen. But, of course, it is the attack on the gun. They're saying that gun control is going to be their first uh, and, and foremost thing. And when they say gun control, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. There is no such thing. They mean the removal of guns and making it impossible for a citizen to own, possess, carry, and utilize a firearm. That is 
based on their own words. That's that's what they mean. I don't, I don't think it can be described in 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 any other way. Um, is America really? We we we've, we've seen Parkland. We've seen horrible things. And don't get me wrong, they're horrible things, and they require our attention. Is are are we? Are, is is America at a place where they're going to say, okay, yeah, let's let's finally finally go after the gun? No, because this is what happens when when something like that tragedy happens, or any tragedy where someone immediately wants to yell, there should be a law. That sounds great. Oh, common sense gun legislation, common sense gun reform. That sounds wonderful. But then when you start getting into the details, that's when you start losing people. And they never, the left Democrats never seem to learn this lesson about guns. They're so concerned about how they can't uh, make inroads into red states. And we, we need to figure out what the Trump voter cares about, what, what red state voters care about. Um, they say that out of one side of their mouths, but then the first thing Nancy Pelosi wants to tackle is gun control. You, forget it. It's it. That's a dead issue in, in most areas of uh, of the the Rust Belt of uh, flyover country. It, gun control it, it's it's a non-starter for a lot of people. It's almost like the Twilight Zone. Like that is the absolute most perfect thing she can start doing right now for us going into t- uh, 2020. Let's talk about guns and taking our guns away. But okay, let's, fine. Let's take it out of the conversation of right versus left. Let's let's mm-hmm. take a, just a little more focus to this conversation. Okay. Every time there's a conversation that involves, hey, let's work. Let's finally work on gun control. We're saying once again, we're not willing to discuss the cultural issues that lead down this road. I am not saying we shouldn't pay attention to what happened, or in Pittsburgh, or any place else. I am saying that if we don't pay attention to the underpinnings, we're never going to get anywhere. And the problem is that the underpinnings are too scary. Look at all the attention Thousand Oaks received. And I'm not saying not rightfully so. There are more murders that take place on a weekend in Chicago. But what, when it's, when it's, when it's black kids, we're cool? When it's black kids, no, it's totally fine. Nobody, there, there's not going to be a march. You're not going to see the legislation. When it's San Francisco, oh, it's totally fine. It's cool. When it's my beloved, our beloved Indianapolis, oh, yeah, no, 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 whatever. No need for that. Let me ask you a question. If you're black in America and, and you see this, how pissed are you that, that, that what's happening on the streets is, is black kids getting killed and, and everybody is silent? Now, I'm not in favor of any level of gun control. I believe that the Second Amendment is sacrosanct. And I don't believe it can be touched. I believe it says what it says. The right to keep and bear arms refers to on your person to keep yourself safe and protected. And I'm not worried about if other people disagree with me on, on any level whatsoever. But, li- but how these politicos go about it is out of control. Because they're saying one group of people matter and the others don't. Because when the mass shootings happen, as we call them, that's always that always involves more white people. Mm-hmm. Las Vegas was a year ago. There was a you want horror? One of the people who died in Thousand Oaks survived the Vegas shooting, the Route 91 festival. I mean that's that's more than the brain can handle. For sure. And they and then of course media has no problem sticking a sticking a camera in mom's face and she's screaming about no more gun control. And people, you know, tweeted that to me and said, oh, they're losing their minds over gun control. 
this woman lost her son. What the hell do you want me to say? Right. Let her say right. anything she, she damn well pleases. But she doesn't get to set policy. <laughs> There's the difference. The high-profile Parkland students can be as upset as they choose, and so can parents who lost their children. I can't tell them anything. I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. What they don't get to do on any level is set policy. They don't get to decide policy for the rest of us. But I am curious as to when they start realizing that the thing that they focus on when we talk about this gun control conversation is they only focus on it or care about it when it involves somebody who's white. And I don't mean to be a guy who likes to break it down in that way. But it, they, they, they always talk about they need uh, uh, people of color. They always say people of color. And they, you have to vote for Democrats because the other side is, is bigots and racist. Right? The other side, they don't care about you. Holy crap, how much more proof do you need that Democrats are totally willing to use you and take your vote for granted that when you're dying, they don't say, they don't say anything. I, find, I, I'm, I don't mean to soapbox. I, 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 just, it, I find it gross that we go down this road constantly and consistently. Well, I think, well, go ahead. I was going to say, and they also just constantly go after the NRA, and it's not the responsible members of the NRA that are doing these shootings. It's... The, it's can we just call it that what it is? Reflexive uh, Pavlovian stupidity. It is ignorant to say the NRA is guilty. It is ignorant to make this claim. You know, r right here in, in Indianapolis, uh, there's a town called Noblesville. So I shouldn't say in Indianapolis. It's to the north and to the east. And there was a school shooting there. No one died, but a teacher got shot and a student got shot. And man, she's going to have even more recovery going forward. And, and I wish her and her family nothing but the best but when the election was happening the midterms uh, the Republican candidate was going to have Oliver North who's the president of the NRA speak and then people got upset that he was coming to Noblesville to speak and the mayor said you know we haven't healed yet we can't have him speaking here what the hell did the NRA have to do with a 13 year old boy coming in and, and shooting a, a teacher and a, and a student absolutely nothing it's dishonest it's gross. It is this Pavlovian nonsensical response, and it's, and it's killing us. It's killing us. Can I be incredibly cynical? The, the reason why uh, that these uh, issues are, are being, aren't being brought up, like the mental health issue, I don't believe that people want to, in, in political power, want to solve this issue because there's too much money and there's too much political power involved in trying to, to, to sway the debate. This is a political power grab, and this is a huge money raiser. Anytime you see one of these shootings happen, Tony, I'm sure you get all the emails from all these lefty groups that are trying to raise money off of, off of tragedies oh, like this. Oh, you mean like politicos who immediately put it out? If you just contribute five bucks... Yeah. Oh, holy. We'll, well, we'll it's support. a huge money grab for both sides of the aisle. I mean, the NRA makes money when people start bashing the NRA, too. All right, Look so. at you trying to be fair. And balance. No, it's point taken. But too, there's too much money and too much political power involved in this issue. And I, that, that's, I feel the same way about abortion. I, the sides are, are, are drawn and people are on both sides of the political aisle are using these wedge issues to raise money and to try to get a political edge over their opponent. So I don't believe that any of these issues will ever be solved. It's just continuing uh, a trend of trying to divide the American people instead of trying to actually solve these problems. Well, but we, we're, we're not even willing to discuss what the problem is. 
there's going to be no conversation of mental illness and there's going to be no conversation of culture. You know, I'm talking about uh, black kids dying. We also going to talk about the fact that white kids seem to solve their problems with mass shootings and black kids seem to solve their problems on the streets. And what is it culturally that leads to these things? And when are we going to start addressing those things? And I get told all the time, you know, Tony, you're not, you can't talk about that. You're not, you're not black. The hell I can't talk about it. I can't notice what's going on around me. All, I got two eyes, two ears. I got a lump of gray matter in between to coalesce the vapors. Yet I'm not supposed to notice what the bloody hell is it's going on around me. It's happening in the city you live in. You can talk about it. You know, like let. Where was Obama doing something in Chicago? What's he doing there? But we aren't allowed to have conversations in this country about a lot of these issues. It's monologues or talking points. Talking points here, there, there. Right. I, I mean, too often when a, a school shooting happens, it's a lecture from the left, the mainstream media, mm-hmm. left-wing politicians. But going back to your original point, Tony, I'm stunned that that Democrats would want to tackle this issue as the first issue out See, of the but box. That, but but I, I, it can't not, be serious. No. It's, they're not tackling an issue. They're, they're, atta- they're utilizing horror to score political points. We aren't tackling an issue. Why is it that people think the answer to their problem is killing their classmates? This guy, this Marine, he he went to this bar. He actually, I think he practiced dancing there or he practiced dancing so he could go there. He went there. He knew some of these people. Why was this the place? Why does a student decide, you know what, I'm angry so all the other people have to get killed? wasn't bullied or anything else like that and by the way that's not even an excuse it was an interesting uh, piece from from David French and I don't I don't always agree with David French over there at National Review but what he said is that it's it's very clear that our children are broken right and I'm paraphrasing on that one but there is something very wrong and about how we handle these situations, how we handle these things in these moments, how we teach kids to be resilient and to deal with, for example, maybe somebody not liking you, maybe not being popular, maybe the whatever the other issue is. We aren't teaching it. We're not sharing it. I, I, I don't want to say we because you can't. You can't lump everybody in. You can't lump them all in. But clearly there's enough going on in a cultural way that people have forgotten how to be able to deal with adversity. There is no resilience. There is no concept of perseverance, or at least it is so limited and 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 uh, lacks prevalence uh, that it's creating these issues. That stuff is tougher. That stuff's tougher. And if, and if Nancy Pelosi wants to go down that road, I'll work with her. Right. I'm in. I'm totally Let's in. Have that because because it, listen, I, I don't all, often talk family, but we all have kids. And our kids go to schools. And not, listen, I don't know about you. I'm not dumb enough to think, the fingers, that somehow our schools are somehow immune because, oh, it, it, it wouldn't happen here. Oh, oh no. Oh, happen, happen here. Harumph, harumph, harumph. It happened in our backyard. You are a Noblesville guy. Uh, and we can't even agree on how we can keep our schools safe. But that I'm okay with. Issue. That I'm okay with because... At least that conversation's happening, right? And there is going to be different thoughts on how that should work. And you know what? 
Um, are, are you not cool with that? Well, no, I'm, I I disagree that we can even have the conversation. We just had last week, Oliver North was going to come and speak in, in Noblesville, and the, and the mayor of Noblesville wanted to shut that conversation down. I was okay yeah. with that conversation being shut down, saying it's too soon in Noblesville to have someone from the NRA come and speak. And that's ludicrous of in my mind, and it's offensive. When I can go to, and I, I know I'm probably going to get a bunch of hate for saying this, uh, at Fingers Malloy on Twitter, uh, the thing that bothers me is that at the 4th of July parade mom's demand action can have a one block section of people protesting uh, about common sense gun control in noblesville in noblesville at the noblesville parade and yet we're a few months later and we can't even have someone who has try to rebut that argument in town to give a speech because it's too soon it's not even a question of rebutting an argument i think it's about being able to have a conversation what i like about what's going on in, in, in some school districts. This isn't every school district. Your school district might be different. I'd love leave a, a comment, right? Let let us know uh, what you what you're hearing. Different schools are gonna try different things. Some people, for example, are very into the idea of metal detectors. And in the state of Indiana there was money given now every school's gonna have wands. Every school will have uh, detecting wands. Now there's a question of who's going to utilize them. How are they going to be trained in how to use them? Exactly how do you engage uh, this level of search? Do you need a law enforcement officer to do that search or someone who's quote unquote paid security? Could you have parent volunteers do this? So there are a lot of questions. The idea of hardening schools, how you change physical creation of the school when, on, when building new schools, how you change schools now to where the students come in, doors open, doors closed, actual materials being used. These are worthwhile conversations. School districts are going to do it differently. And then there's going to be a best practices conversation about what works and what doesn't. I am, if you want to talk about something that I'm, sorry, buoyed by, if you will, uh, is that it's going to happen on a district by district level as opposed to a statewide or a national level. The last thing I want in the world is the feds coming in on this conversation saying, here's how you take care of the school. Yeah. No, no, no. No. Michelle Obama's going to tell you how to do lunch next. It's a terrible horrible idea. I want these schools trying different things. I don't want anybody hurt, but I want them trying different things and finding things that are cost effective, that are valuable. Where is the the breaking point for if you have to raise some level of taxes, how that works and how that's going to play out? Like that's where the the conversation needs to be. And I'm happy that at least in our Indiana, it's happening. If it's happening, I would love to know if it's happening in other places. Um, But to your point about the mayor, mayor was totally wrong fingers. Mayor was totally wrong. Of course they can handle it. And who said they had to handle it? They didn't have to go. That's that's exactly right. If you don't like someone from the NRA giving a speech in Noblesville, then show up outside and protest. Don't shut the speech down. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we shut speech down. I, I Listen, I would love to get invited to, to more college campuses to speak. I, I, I really would because, as you know, April D. Gregory, uh, I am an amazing speaker. You are. Thank you. Thank you. She's not even paid to say that. Um, but... They shut down Coulter. They shut down Shapiro. They they shut down. Does does uh, Carolyn Prager get shut down when they, when they go places? That shutting down people as opposed to letting them speak and then discussing the validity of their argument. I'm Jewish and I think neo Nazis should be allowed to speak if they're Americans. Why? Free speech isn't for the people you like. It's for the it's for the people in the speech that you hate. <laughs> That's how you know you're in a free society when people you hate still get a chance to talk. And these people, they're, they're, they're not in favor of, of giving you a chance to talk. And that's what's horrible. And that's what this gun control thing is going to be. This whole gun control conversation is going to be this insane idea 
uh, that somehow people who believe in the Second Amendment, they don't have rights, they shouldn't be allowed to speak, they should be vilified. And the answer is, I won't be. I, I absolutely positively won't be. And if you're going to have that message, good luck in red states trying to get voters. If that's your political message. If you're, if you're a Democrat. Are you telling me there's not a Democrat, April D. Gregory, who's like, you know what? We're better off with free speech than without free speech. There's not a single Democrat out there. I don't see. I, I mean, that's real broad brush. And, and I don't know. Maybe it's true. There's not a Democrat who's like, no, you should be, of course, be able to talk about it. They might actually believe in less guns. They might believe in the idea of, of, of more laws on guns. But at least they're open to a conversation. Are they not open to conversation? Well, sure they are. Most of them. And, and think about all the Democrats in a state like Indiana that are gun owners. And they're not going to let their guns be taken away from them either. And, and they certainly do not think that should be part of the equation. Oh, but when they go to Washington, Joe Donnelly's a perfect example of this. And, yeah, uh, he ain't going back well, I'm not to talking about him. I'm, I'm talking about no, regular I'm talking, Joes in I'm our talk, towns. Okay, but I thought you were, you know, expanding the argument to politicians who, Mm-mm. when they come to, to, to uh, um, I'm talking about our friends, the people oh, we our know, friends, the people our, pals? In our, our pals, the people in our towns that are Democrats and own guns. I know a lot of Democrats that own guns and that are like, you're not coming for my gun. But don't you feel like those Democrats? And I, I've had conversations with Democrats in in Indiana. They hold uh, the Democratic Party uh, in their hearts as if we're talking about the John F. Kennedy Democratic Party. Right. I it, think this isn't the Nancy Pelosi Democratic, but they're right. still voting Democratic. You're right. They're still in, in that era, and they're still not voting in their best interest when it comes well, to the gun issues. Well, you're talking about the, the between Democrats and progressives, right? Yeah. Like what we consider a Democrat from back Or like in the a day. blue Democrat. A Daniel Patrick Moynihan, a Democrat. I think some people might refer to it a as. Regular yeah, Indiana Democrat. You know, that, I, think, I think that's an interesting point. But here's how crazy we are and how uh, highly partisan the subject ha- has become. The example is Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher, who has way too much money. Congratulations, by the way. Good for you. Mazel tov. You know. Uh, Surprised uh, that whole marriage with Demi Moore didn't work out, but go ahead. Really? They seemed happy for a while. Oh, she's Why 20. She's like, what, what is she, 40 years older than him? 50 years older than him? It's Demi Moore, man. It's Demi? It's Demi Moore, though. It's Demi Moore. Well, she washes her hair that's, with Evian. That's, wait, <laughs> no, that's true. true. That's true. What do you mean that's true? That is true. That's a, that's trivia, fa- tri- trivia fact right what there. What do you mean she washes she her hair? She washes her hair with bottles of Evian. That's not true. That is true. Totally made that up. Google it. It's no, fact. I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not going to Google it. That's one thing I'm totally <laughs> I know myself some celebrity trivia, and I've known that for, I mean, that was like 20 years when I found that out ago. So Are we talking G.I. Jane Demi Moore? Yeah, because she didn't have to wash much hair. I'm talking Jane. like no, strip Bruce tease. Willis's wife. Strip tease Demi Holy Moore. Cow. Washed her yeah. hair with Evian. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> Need a cigarette. Yeah. Go ahead. <sighs> so Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher puts out on Twitter the following. This is great. Speaking of guns, and we want to know, you know, we're asking ourselves right now exactly how partisan is the conversation. He writes this after what happened in Thousand Oaks. This isn't an either or, it's both. Support mental health initiatives and support gun reform now. All right, it's a position. It's a position. I don't know what he means by gun reform. It's a conversation, but it's a position. Okay. And then he says, my friend gave me a gun as a gift in the parking lot of the borderline, which is the bar and grill where the shooting happened in Thousand Oaks, on my birthday. I never shot it. I don't think I ever will. My heart to the families uh, or love to the families of the lost change is coming. What he just said is that somebody gave him a gun. Cam Edwards, who is a, a, a friend of ours, a friend of the show, show, fills in for me on 
on, on my syndicated show. He says, I think Ashton Kutcher just admitted to violating California law. Firearms transfers have to go through a federally licensed firearms dealer who performs a background check and holds the firearm for the mandatory 10-day waiting period. Now here's the question. Nancy Pelosi, the congressman from San Francisco, Dianne Feinstein, the congressman, the senator from California, and Kamala Harris, all of whom believe in massive levels of gun control and the eradication of the Second Amendment. Will they demand charges be brought against Ashton Kutcher? You know the answer to that question. I don't. I want to know. The answer is no. Why? Well, then they're not serious people. If you want to be serious people, you have to go after the people who are breaking the law. And so we're clear, Ashton Kutcher just admitted that he broke the law. He admitted he broke the law. But the rules are different for elites than they are for the ham and eggers out there in the Midwest. The, the ham and eggers? Yeah, they like having ham and eggs for, is, is for breakfast like in the morning. Green eggs and ham? The ham and eggers. It was a, a phrase I did that, have ham for breakfast this morning. It's a phrase that Bobby Heenan, if you were a wrestling fan back in the 80s, used to talk about the common Joe, the ham and eggers out there. They have ham and eggs for breakfast. Huh. They, those, I've know, never heard a- that before. Ashton I love Kutcher, it. Uh, probably doesn't have ham and egg, eggs for breakfast. And well, there's probably some kale. He can, Maybe some quinoa. So Ash- and he can break uh, gun laws, and that's no problem because he's, he's an elite. It's okay if he does it. Right. It's not okay by me, and I want to know if they're really serious. If they're really serious, they have to enforce the very laws that are on the books. One of the things that this exposes is there are laws. We have a crap ton of, of laws. What do the laws matter? Well, it's, it's like gun-free zones. Gun-free zones are for, for disarming the law-abiding citizen. Not for, disabi- uh, not for disarming the person who's mentally ill or, 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 or uh, ideologically deranged. So California already has those gun laws. Our friend Kurt Schlichter has talked about how, you know, he, a colonel in the military, and he can't even have a gun in California. And, and he, he served in, um, for several years. In, in, yes. Oh, and yeah. He served in Kosovo So California and a few other places, already and has California these gun laws. He can't have a gun. But... The law is still being broken by the bad guy, the guys who have the mental illness. It's still being broken when they already have those laws. So Ashton breaking the law, but he's above the law. He can't so, be above the law. And, if, and this is how you know that they're not serious. And that them not being serious is the point I'm going to keep driving home. Here's the other one. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. There's a photographer right here in Indiana in a place called Shelbyville, which is to the south of, of Indianapolis. And she photographs babies, and she's, she's rather good. She is rather good. I think it's Coffee Creek Studio. And she took a picture of a baby. She did a whole Christmas story. You know a Christmas story? And I love Christmas story. Who doesn't love, Movie. you know? Who you loves know, who some leg Ralphie, lamp? Right? Everyone should have a leg lamp. And she took a picture, and she set the scene with a miniature leg lamp and a Christmas tree and put a baby in the pink bunny outfit that Ralphie wore, <laughs> and the baby is sleeping wearing the Ralphie glasses and is holding, while, while the baby sleeps, the Red Rider pistol, right? And uh, it, it's carved out of wood and is holding the, 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 the rifle. I shouldn't say pistol, rifle. Sorry. Um, see, when you get it wrong, you should correct yourself. Put this picture out there. People went crazy. How dare you take a picture of a baby with a gun? What's wrong with you? The gun, it's not real. It's just not regular size. It's, it's an homage to the movie, and it's adorable. 
It is absolutely incredible, this photo. Well, there are, there are so many examples. There was the, the kid that got suspended for uh, biting his Pop-Tart in a way that made it look like a gun. Oh, Kids God, getting I forgot about him. But, uh, you know, we, I had a discussion with some folks over the weekend. Uh, you know, in uh, downtown Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium, they had the Bands of America competition, marching bands from all over the, the, the country, uh, traveled to Indianapolis to compete. And one of the things that is very prevalent in marching band with a color guard, they will twirl rifles in the air. White rifles. Uh, they'll twirl them in I the used air. To do spin. That. Okay. Oh, with the, oh, with oh. the rifle Whoa. and the color guard. Is there video of this? Huh. Ninth grade. Please, please tell yes. me there's video wow. somewhere. There is. Eighth grade. You gotta, okay. I was really good at that. The tossing the rifle in there and catching it. I was really super good at that. When you when you would no, well, because you're not supposed to do that. Oh, okay. But my, my point of bringing that up is how long until uh, it comes around where, where you're going to have people arguing that that should not be part of marching band because, oh, my gosh, they're twirling well, fake yeah, rifles in the air. And what message does that send to the kids? There was the kid with the Pop-Tart. Then there was the kid with the Legos. There was the Lego gun as, as, right. as well. Yep. All right. So, yes, this is an add-on to the levels of total madness. And, again, this Pavlovian nonsense response as opposed to... Uh, the bigger issue. We should be perfectly clear that if you're someone bothered by a picture of a baby with an homage of a, uh, and a scene that's an homage to the movie A Christmas Story, if you think that's celebrating guns, there's something wrong with that person. There's, if someone's upset with it, there's something wrong with that person, and we shouldn't take them seriously. We should look at them and say there's something wrong with you. You simply aren't capable of having a real adult conversation, and we have to ask who you voted for so we don't vote for those people. That's, it's irrational, and this is where it comes back to with, with, uh, with Pelosi. She's being irrational, and the American left, unfortunately, in their leadership is being totally irrational. Now, listen, I don't think that you should go out there and say, you know, we can open carry. Those people who want to prove open carry by taking AR-15s and, and wa- you know, look at us m- walk through the Kroger and buy some milk. You don't need an AR-15 to buy milk. I'm not saying that you can't have it. I'm saying that you're trying to prove a point, and what you do is you make things tougher for an honest, good conversation. You make it worse for the rest of us. You know, it's, it's the truth. It's, the, these are the facts as, as presented. It can't really be denied. So, so here's the thing about Ashton. He, going back to him, he would be a really great person to take the lead on having a conversation because he grew up in Iowa. He grew up hunting. He has guns. Um, maybe not in his California house. I don't know. But he still has his house in Iowa. And so he grew up hunting. He grew up working at a gun club. He is someone that could, he, he threw out about 20 to 30 tweets about this whole gun thing. He is someone that could take the lead and say, let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about because he is someone who is a responsible gun owner. I'd love to have that conversation with him. He could be taking the lead I'd and have this conversation. I'd love to have that conversation with him. But he, and, his, and all his tweets keep saying, gun reform, gun reform. He, and he says, nobody wants to take your guns. We just need gun reform. I don't know what that means. Because it really does seem, when you listen to Moms right. Demand Action, when you listen to Diane Feinstein, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, when you listen to the leadership of the political left, uh, they they want to take your gun, right? <laughs> that seems pretty damn obvious. But they aren't the ones that are going to be leading the way, going door to door in stations, uh, states like Texas, Oklahoma, Indiana. They're going to be knocking on the door, saying, hey, oh, "We want your gun. Please give it to us." I, it's always they're they're very brave with their policy. But who who's going to have to be the poor schmuck that's going door to door, demanding these guns? Oh, who that's who a wants that job? So that's that's a, a whole different conversation. Because when people talk about, like, like Stacey Abrams, who was running for governor in 
Georgia and lost, although they're trying to steal the election for her again. And what's going on right now in Florida and oh Georgia? Cra- I, I, that's that's another oh subject. No, uh, she believes in gun confiscation. And the question is, how do you think this is going to work? Exactly how do you think gun confiscation is going to work? And the person who I think understands this best is my father. My father said, Tony, they know they can't go door to door and take all the guns. They know they can't bring in uh, police or, or military or any level like that to come get the guns. So what they're going to do is they're going to say you have to turn in your gun by such and such a date. I mean, he went full dystopia on me. And uh, it's, it's frightening, but follow me and see if he isn't on to something. See if you don't hear this. He said they're, what they're going to do is they're going to hear you have a gun. And then one day your kid's not going to come home from school because they've been picked up by the authorities of the state. And the state's going to say, yes, of course we had to get your child. You have a firearm in the house. Return, bring us the firearms. We'll return your child to you. Now, here's the question. Is that conspiracy insanity or is that the natural conclusion of what these people talk about when they talk about gun confiscation? Honestly, just you saying that actually terrifies me because the stories out of CPS that you hear about kids getting confiscated. There was a story just on the news this weekend. Child a kid, services? yeah, from CPS. They confiscated a, a f- four-month-old, or actually, he was younger than four months. He was like one month old, and his four-year-old sister because the baby fell out of a chair and hit the cement while his mom was like had just turned her back real quick. They Which took the moms- kids. So the, the story, I mean, it happens, you know, we all hate it. Our, every baby falls out of bed. We all hate it. And it breaks your heart when it happens, but this happens to every baby. And the, the kids were confiscated and, and the family ended up winning, uh, the judge awarded the family from money from the state. Like, like $172,000. Because of this. So the stories you hear about CPS are so scary that what you're saying, what your father is saying is terrifyingly possible because of what CPS is already doing. But when you but when you think about if they're the ones talking about confiscation, so you have to ask yourself, well, how are they going to do it? And what he did is he went to the most awful place he possibly could, and when you hear that story, you're like, holy crap. You don't hold anything... In, in a world of madness where they think that, they're, that pe- some people think they're morally pious, I mean, I right. swear to you, I feel like a conspiracy th- a freak show right now, except... I don't think he's... I'm willing to bet you that you will hear that in the public sphere. You will actually hear it. And it's not just that. You collect a social security check, your firearm's gone if you want that social security check. You oh, take I did not mil- think of it at all. You, you, You're right. You, you, there are a million different ways you can Lots you can take this. Lots of possibilities here. And there are no consequences for bureaucratic overreach. If, if I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day... And uh, you, I, I read this story that you're talking about, April. Um, I don't know if these these people over at uh, Child Protective Services have been fired yet, but there's no threat if, if, if Child Protective Services or, or, or some bureaucrat oversteps their authority. It's not like they're going to get fired. No. It, if you're a federal bureaucrat, they're... They, they joke about how hard it is for them to lose their jobs because if you're a federal bureaucrat, you do not lose your job, period. You, I had one, just tell me this weekend, he, he works for the, to, for the feds. He said, I could cuss out my boss to her face. I would not get fired. If you're a federal, if you work for, uh, you're not getting fired. So these people, no, they're probably not getting fired. There, there's no accountability there. and it's, At the state level, it's a little easier if you're a government employee to get fired, not at the federal level. Um, 
But so the other thing that I was going to say that concerns me, if we actually start, if we actually start um, having a conversation uh, about mental health, you know what really scares me about that conversation is, um, I used to work in the healthcare field and I was shocked at how many people, patients were on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications. So are they going to say, oh, really? if you're taking... I mean, I hear that often, but is it really that many? It is an insane amount of people. I had no clue until I started working in the medical field how many people... It, it felt like every patient was on Zoloft. Not every patient was, but at least half of thousands. Well, so what are they going to say? If you're, on, if you're on Zoloft for some anxiety or minor depression, you can't have a firearm. Well, you, there are some states, and I believe California may be one of them, if you have a medical marijuana card, they want to take your firearm yeah, away from Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing that now. Now, what, that what now. is it about med- medical marijuana that, okay, that person can't have a firearm, but you could be on 20 different prescription drugs for other things, and that's okay, but medical marijuana, oh, you can't have a firearm. That's we, crazy. We are having more of a conversation about issues and, and things to look at than Nancy Pelosi has ever had. And that's what's that's so absolutely insane. Uh, so first things first, uh, the podcast available iTunes, uh, Eat, Drink, Smoke. That's where you go subscribe. We need you to subscribe and we need you to give a five-star rating. That has to happen immediately. If please, not, you, know, you should go do that right now. We're going to do that right now while this is finishing up. Uh, go to iTunes and uh, eat, Takes drink, smoke. Takes 10 seconds. It's, oh, it's, it's just so yeah, easy. Yeah, just iTunes, uh, type in eat, drink, smoke. It'll pull it up, and it'll let you click and leave a review. Right. Review so and fast. five stars. Review and, and so five stars. it's so helpful for us. I can't overstate how helpful this is for the success of our show. You really, please, 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 we don't want to pressure you, but we kind of do. We really need these ratings. Oh, I'm fine with pressuring you. I'm down. <laughs> What someone did leave a review that said I, I felt pressured into into leaving this it, leaving this review, and I was like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Well, I'm it, totally cool with it. whatever whatever it takes. Very well, important. If for you the if you are a, a person who listens to podcasts, it's called a call to action. All podcasts do this. They say, listen, do me a solid, leave me a five star review, tell your friends, share the podcast uh, with but, people that you love. You know, right, it, and, it, and and rightfully so. But what we've done is we were going to do this at the end of October, doing it at the end of November. We're going to take all the people who've left reviews, and then we're going to select one. No, I don't know if it's draw it out of a hat. I don't know how that system's going to be. And then we're going to send that person um, uh, some, some of our favorite cigars, some of our favorite things that we've reviewed uh, right here on the show. It's, it's going to be good. Uh, Merry Christmas could be yours if you leave a review. If you go uh, to iTunes and eat, drink, smoke, and then leave a review and five stars and leave a review. you got to do both things. Of course, the podcast at TonyCats.com. You find everything there. Everything that, that, we're, that I'm doing, everything that's going on is there, uh, TonyCats.com. Find Fingers Malloy, radio host and podcaster. Fingers Malloy Radio. <coughs> oh, I got myself a little choked up thinking about it. Uh, on, on, uh, on, the ra- on the Facebooks. So Facebook.com slash Fingers Malloy Radio. April D. Gregory on Twitter. Twitter.com slash April D. Gregory. At Tony me. Katz on Twitter. Wait, what, what, at me? At say? me. At me. And then Tony Katz, uh, Instagram Tony Katz, uh, as, as well, uh, Tony Katz Radio on Facebook. And, of course, everything, Eat, Drink, Smoke, Fingers, April, Tony. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Later. Later.